thank you, Hannah, for sharing your gifts of music with all of us. If you've been here at United Church over the past summer months, you know that I have been preaching a series of sermons on the classic call stories in the Old Testament. And today we turn to yet another one of those stories, the story of God calling the young prophet Jeremiah. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mind and the meditations of all our mouths be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. Last Sunday, I shared with all of you a little bit about one of the subplots of the coronavirus pandemic, namely that the pandemic has increased all of our ability to see differences in one another, both physical and political. Today, I am reminded of yet another subplot of the coronavirus pandemic that I was reading about uh, some months ago, and that is the pandemic has fed our desire to make excuses. A few examples from my everyday life. Uh, this past week, the dishwasher at our home broke and an appliance company had to come out and order a new part and reinstall it. And as we were waiting on the dishwasher to be repaired and eating on, yes, many a paper plate, we, at one point in the journey of having our dishwasher be repaired, uh, noted that our name or the part or something got lost and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And meanwhile, we were eating all these paper plates. And finally, they rediscovered my case and ordered the part and got it installed. But in the midst of all of that, one of the repairmen on the phone said, you know, this is just all about the coronavirus. And I said to myself, what does the coronavirus have to do with my dishwasher? Another example, uh, some evenings ago, our family got takeout at a drive-thru, and I knew that when I placed my order, there might have been a mistake in the order, because it was very loud in the background. Uh, we received our food at the window, and I went and parked to make sure it was all there, and sure enough, something got forgotten. So I went back in the drive-thru line and pulled back up, and the young woman had the item that was forgotten and was missing, and she gave it to me, and she said, I'm just so sorry, it's this virus. <laughs> I said to myself, what does the coronavirus have to do with my missing side salad? We have all heard the coronavirus excuses, and truth be told, we've made some of our own as well. For uh, many of us have perhaps heard a call to do something new, and we've decided to put it off. Or perhaps there has been an opportunity that has come our way, and we've decided that we're going to do it later when the virus goes in a way. Or perhaps there is an idea that uh, we sense that we need to pursue and we say, well, I'm going to handle that, you know, in the PV era, the post-virus era. And we've decided that we're going to put life on hold and make a few excuses. And so as we walk into our scripture passage today and hear the excuses that Jeremiah made, Perhaps we can empathize a little bit or resonate with a few of these excuses. Walk back into the scripture passage with me. You'll recall that once upon a time, God was looking for a prophet to speak words of truth to the people of Judah who had turned their backs on God. 
and God called a young boy named Jeremiah to be this prophet. But immediately upon hearing God's call, Jeremiah shared back with God three excuses. For one, God, I am inadequate. I do not know how to speak these words. Number two, God, I am inexperienced. God, I am just a boy. Number three, God, I am afraid. If I speak these words to your people, what are they going to do to me? And is this all going to work? We know how the story of Jeremiah ends. That eventually, God would call Jeremiah beyond these excuses to be a wonderful prophet of the faith. And I'm reminded in hearing these excuses that our God in heaven is still in the business of calling each one of us beyond our excuses into the new territory God often asks you and I to go. I want you to take a few moments to consider a recent call in your life. It may be a word from God about something that you need to do and really and truly you have, because of the coronavirus, decided to put it off. Or perhaps it's a call to pursue some kind of new venture and you've put it off. Or a call to move in a different direction but you've been reluctant. Or a call to dive in somewhere or to pursue some kind of new territory or new opportunity or new place or new thing or new person and you've just decided to be reluctant and to make a few excuses. If I have in any way described you recently, I do want you to hear the good news of this text. God calls you and I beyond our excuses into the promised territory for which God may wish to lead any one of us. So I thought what I might do today is to share back with you an empowering message of just how God assisted Jeremiah in overcoming all three of those excuses. For the three excuses that Jeremiah makes here in Jeremiah 1, simply put, are excuses that we make from time to time. We often have those same common excuses and share back the same excuses Jeremiah did with God when it comes to calls that come our way. Excuse number one, God, I am inadequate. I am a boy. I am someone who does not have these words to speak, oh God. We know that later in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah shares with us that the passion in his bones is so great when he is speaking the word of God that he feels as though he is on fire. But in this moment, when the call initially comes, Jeremiah feels oh so inadequate. And my sense is that on this call journey, part of what Jeremiah had to do is trust a little bit less in his own adequacies and a little bit more in an adequate God who would go on to equip him with the gifts and talents that he needed. As Rick Yancey, a Christian author, put it many years ago, God so often does not 
call uh, someone and then, uh, sorry, equip someone uh, and then call them. Rather, God calls someone and then equips that person. In other words, part of what happens is we hear a call and we also hear God's promise to bring us gifts and to equip us with that which we need to move forward. You see this happening over and over again in the scripture, not just with Jeremiah, this situation with God eventually equipping Jeremiah with his speaking talent, with his words, but with so many throughout the Bible. You think about uh, people such as King David, who was a young boy, or Joshua, who was uh, the son of a slave, or Elijah, who liked to whine, or Sarah, who kind of laughed uh, back at God, or the 12 disciples who were blue-collar fishermen at the time when they were called. And part of what happens over and over again is God calls these rather embarrassingly insignificant and inadequate people and equips them to go on and do what God has asked them to do. God often calls and then equips. One of the places in my life where I resonate with Jeremiah's call, or I've heard Jeremiah's call, is my calling is to speak. And so like Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, I can remember back to those times when I shared back with God my own inadequacies. God, I am just a boy. In fact, I remember as clear as day the morning of my first sermon in Durham, North Carolina. I recall that the worship service was at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I stopped off to use the restroom at 9.51. And there in the restroom was the moderator of the UCC church at the time, uh, and he was a, a wise older man named Walter, and he walked around with a cane. And he was using the restroom, and I was in there too, and men in general don't really speak to one another in the restroom. Uh, but just before he left the restroom, he used to call me Williams. He said, Williams, I see in my bulletin that you're preaching today. And I said, yes, Walter, I am. And he said, well, you know what? God spoke out of the mouth of a donkey. There's hope for us all. <laughs> and after hearing uh, that comment, I, I laughed a little bit, but I felt a little bit better because in that moment, I realized that if this was going to happen, it was not going to be because of my adequacies, it was going to be because of God's adequacies. And sometimes when we hear a call, we often think to ourselves, am I adequate enough to do this? And that's a good question, but the even better question is, is the God I worship adequate enough to equip me with what I need to do this? When you ask that question, you start to move beyond excuses to a God who's more than adequate. Or let me put it another way. Uh, many years ago, a wonderful business author by the name of Jim Collins wrote a book entitled Good to Great. And in that book, Collins offered up a number of different business uh, uh, wisdom bits that uh, CEOs throughout the country, successful CEOs, use to effectively manage and lead their companies. And one of these bits of advice was that CEOs of successful companies often set what is called BHAGs, Big, Hairy, Audacious Goals. Well, after the book had been published for about two years and reached uh, Christian circles, 
uh, there was a minister who was giving a seminar one day about setting goals for the church. And he said, you know what? As church people, there is only one thing more important than setting big, hairy, audacious goals for ourselves. It is to always remember that we worship a big, hairy, audacious God. Because if God is big and God is adequate, then surely it is that God who will call us beyond our inadequacies. Excuse number one, God, I'm inadequate. Excuse number two that Jeremiah said, God, I am inexperienced. God, I am just a boy. Sounds a little bit about like the situation with Paul and Timothy in the New Testament. Remember that story of Paul, the great Christian teacher and missionary, wanting to guide the younger minister, Timothy, along? And part of what Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12, is do not let them despise you because of your youth, but rather set an example. Now, to be fair, there are many instances in our lives where God speaks to us in and through the wisdom and experience that we've accrued over the years. For God often will speak to us through that. But there are also situations and calls in our life for which there is no precedent. And it is in those situations that we're reminded that it is our wise God in heaven who might have some of the experience himself to impart to us as we move into the direction God has called us. A way I might illustrate this would be to share back with you a story of a wonderful man um, in a former church, a different church. Uh, his name was Stuart Aper, and he was 85 years old. And Stuart was one of those church mouses, you know, one of those people who just seemed to be at church just about every day. He was a money counter, and he, and he came to everything. And he was about 85 years old at the time when um, uh, he would often come into my office from day to day and see me. And he would always start the conversation with something like, now, preacher, I've been around a time or two. Or, preacher, I have a bunch of gray hair and I want to tell you something. Or, or, or preacher, I've seen this before. I've, I've lived a long time. And then he would impart to me whatever wisdom he was thinking about at any given moment. Well, unfortunately, Stuart was diagnosed with a very progressive form of cancer. And in grappling with this cancer, I remember speaking with him uh, in, in his battle with this, and he came to a revelation. He shared back with me. He said, you know, Mark, I've realized that sometimes over my life, I've been putting a lot of trust and wisdom into my life experiences. And I've even worshipped them a little bit. But he said, I tell you, when a doctor mentions a word like lump or lesion, there is just no former life precedent for that. And then he shared back with me this. He said, I'm learning the truth of Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. To be fair, there are times where God speaks to us through previous life experiences. But when it comes to those calls in our life that have no precedent, that are new, we would be wise not to just ask the question, do I have the experience with this? But rather, does my God, wise God in heaven, have the experience with this? And if so, might I put a little bit more trust in God and a little bit less trust in me?
Excuse number one, God, I'm inadequate. Excuse number two, God, I am inexperienced. And excuse number three, God, I'm afraid. We know that Jeremiah spoke those words back to God because of God's response to Jeremiah in verse 8 of the scripture. Do not be afraid. As many of you may be aware, and as many of your friends may have shared with you, that is the most common command in all of scripture, both Old Testament and New. Some people like to say that that command, do not be afraid, is in the Bible 365 times. One command for every day of the year. But believe it or not, as scholars will tell you, that is wrong. That command is in the Bible 366 times. And I like to joke about it, it includes a leap year. <laughs> Often when we hear a, God, a call, there is a fear that we will express back to God about whatever it is that is going to happen to us. And we may believe that a calling is really about mustering up enough faith and courage to, you know, step into unknown territory and then we'll all be okay. But really, when you look at the story of Jeremiah, the call is about, no, Jeremiah, go before you even know. And I, God, will, and to quote the scripture in verse 8, I will come and rescue you if something were to happen to go wrong. Many years ago, a wonderful Christian author by the name of Tony Campolo was sharing a little bit about calling, and specifically about Jeremiah's calling. And he said that when he was a young boy, he would often learn how to swim, and his dad was teaching him how to swim. And to impress his dad, he would keep one big toe on the bottom of the pool, and then wave his hands in the air and say, look at me, daddy, look at me, daddy, I'm swimming, I'm swimming, all the while keeping one big toe on the bottom of the pool. And he said, such is the call in each one of our lives. We want to swim forward, but we keep that big toe lodged in whatever is going on in the past. And part of what I hear God calling Jeremiah to do in this moment is to simply lift that big toe. Do not be afraid. If something goes wrong, I will rescue you. Those who are part of the Wesleyan tradition or may have been part of the Methodist Church uh, over the years know that the uh, theologian who was most close to the Methodist Church was John Wesley. And John Wesley had a term entitled prevenient grace. And that was a term that Wesley used to talk about the grace of God or the presence of God in our lives that goes before us even before we're ever willing or even capable of understanding that that grace has gone before us. And that is the kind of grace that I think God shows Jeremiah in this text. If you will just go, I will equip you and I will rescue you. Trust that I'm present with you now, but trust that my grace will come before you even meet up with it. A bishop, a Carter, uh, years ago, who was a bishop of the United Methodist Church, was talking about provenient grace, and he was telling a story about his own life, how uh, he was uh, assigned to a year of prison ministry. And he said, oh, this is just such a hard call. And he made believe over and over again as he was preparing for this call that he had to, you know, take Jesus and carry Jesus into the prison with him. 
But then he got there for a week, and he was talking with many of the prisoners and doing the worship services there in the prison, and he said, boy, did I ever get that wrong. Jesus was there waiting for me to show up. I didn't need to carry Jesus anywhere, for the truth of Matthew 25 was, the look, if you're in prison, I'll come visit you, and I, Jesus, will meet you there. And he said it was a reminder of that provenient grace, that if he was just willing to go, surely God would rescue him. Or to give another example, when my wife and I were both in graduate school, uh, Emily was in medical school and I was in divinity school at Duke, and we heard one evening a wonderful presentation uh, by Paul Farmer. You'll recall that Paul Farmer was the uh, physician at uh, Harvard Medical School who kind of cashed in uh, Harvard to uh, pursue public health interests in Cuba and Haiti and uh, in Peru, and he wrote a famous book about 20 years ago now called Mountains Beyond Mountains. And we were hearing him make this presentation one evening. He was a very eloquent speaker. He had some wonderful stories that he was sharing. And as he was sharing those stories and, <clears throat> I'm sorry, began to conclude, there was a young woman in the audience who after the presentation uh, decided to ask him a question about his faith. And said, Dr. Farmer, Dr. Farmer, what about your faith sprung you into action? and gave you the courage to pursue this call. And Dr. Farmer uh, took a drink of water and he thought about it for a moment. He said, well, to be completely honest with all of you, I didn't have much faith before I jumped in and did this. But then I jumped in and I was kind of thrown to the fire and it was out there in the fire where God met me and I began to assume some faith in God. But the faith didn't come initially. The faith came when he was willing to meet God in that unknown space. God says to us, do not be afraid. I will rescue you if only you will trust. If you came to worship this morning having heard a word from God or a call, remember that God is capable. Remember that God has the experience. And remember that God will rescue you. If you don't believe me, just ask Jeremiah about this. For the very one who said, God, I am only a boy, I don't have the words to speak, I am afraid, would go on to share back with us those words that we can still find today over and over again in the Christian section of the Hallmark Bookstore. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future.